AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Passionate about agriculture, food, and strategic communications. Ready to protect and enhance your brand. Charleston Orwig is a full-service communications agency with a dedicated team of reputation management experts. Our passion for the food system is surpassed only by the success of our clients. For more information about how we can help you, visit charlestonorwig.com. This week's AgriPulse Open Mic is an interview with Bob Deneen, president of the Renewable Fuels Association, conducted by Cindy Zimmerman from AgriPulse. What at this point is going on in Washington as far as the RFS is concerned? Well, I think the administration has recognized that uh, they probably went a little bit too far, that uh, uh, they are hearing from the heartland. Uh, they saw more than 200,000 comments filed on their proposal to reduce the RFS. And there are probably some folks in the White House right now saying, what did we do? And why are we on the side of big oil? And how can we get out of this mess? Which is a good thing. Um, and I think they're trying to figure out how do we dial this back. Uh, whether or not the, the administration... Uh, returns to the 14.4 billion gallons and uh, returns the integrity to the RFS or not, I can't say. I know they are absolutely uh, making adjustments. And, and as I've said so many times before, I'm less concerned about what the number is. Um, I am far more concerned about what the justification for any change is. And if this administration uh, allows the blend wall or infrastructure or gasoline and ethanol demand factors to weave its in, weave its way into a waiver authority that is exclusively about ethanol supply, then they have just totally ignored the statute and they've turned the RFS on its heels. We cannot allow the blend wall or ethanol demand to drive this nation's renewable fuel policy. The RFS was never intended to be about what ExxonMobil wants to sell. It was about driving marketplace change. It was about driving greater than 10% renewable fuels into the marketplace. It is about higher level blends. It is about E15. It is about E30. It is about E85. This was not a 10% ethanol mandate, period. And that's what EPA and the oil companies want to make it. I think a 10% ethanol mandate is good. But that's a 13 billion gallon requirement. And this is a 36 billion gallon program. And EPA needs to wake up and understand that. And I, and I think they are beginning to realize that, yeah, okay, maybe Congress did know what they were doing when they wrote the bill. And, and maybe we really should read the statute again. And maybe we really shouldn't have ticked off all of agriculture. Uh, so I do anticipate that there will be changes made. Well, we had ethanol supporters visiting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill in support of the RFS this week. The American Petroleum Institute uh, apparently started yet another Beltway-targeted ag campaign urging Congress to repeal the RFS. They've kind of been quiet since the EPA proposal was released, and do you think they might be maybe getting a little nervous that proposal could be changed yet? I don't think the American Petroleum Institute would be spending gobs of money on ads intended to 
reignite a legislative effort in the Congress if they were confident that they had secured victory through the administration. I think uh, they're doing that because, indeed, uh, they are hearing what we are hearing, and uh, they're trying to say, okay, well, I guess it was a nice try at the White House, but uh, maybe we need to go back to our friends on Capitol Hill and see if uh, we can't ignite that firestorm again. I don't think they'll be successful. I think uh, trying to scare members of Congress uh, with uh, people in life vests carrying uh, oars, apparently having walked up from the Potomac River uh, with a boat that was left stranded in the middle of the river, is is really not going to have the impact that they think uh, because it's just so utterly ridiculous and, and without foundation. But, you know, when you have more money than any company on the face of the planet, I'm sorry, more money than any industry in the universe you can maybe waste your time on those kind of advertisements. But they don't win legislative fights. Didn't AAA come out this week and, and say that, that ethanol was increasing the price of gasoline? Indeed, uh, AAA did. Uh, I think they were mimicking uh, Trilby Lundberg, who is always looking for a way to deflect attention away from the skyrocketing price of crude oil and gasoline and blame the ethanol industry and farmers for driving up consumer gasoline costs but it's not going to resonate. What I do think is that uh, people are are recognizing that uh, the giant sucking sound out of North Dakota, that you know we're, we're, we are spending so much money and attention trying to frack our way to energy independence, is having an impact uh, in, in many ways. One of those ways is by using up a lot of rail cars and locomotives that once were used to haul ethanol, once we used to haul coal, once we used to haul corn and grain, and and now because the oil companies can spend money on anything, and now they're being used to haul crude oil, uh, and that is having an impact on the price of of gasoline because uh, people can't just get enough ethanol; they can't ship it there; they can't, you know. So it, the the logistics of moving ethanol around the country has been complicated by uh, big Oil's insatiable appetite uh, for infrastructure. So at the beginning of the year when we talked, you said that you didn't expect there to be efforts this year in Congress to to revisit attempts to change or repeal the law in light of the EPA proposal. So if that proposal gets knocked back, well, what then? I think you would still find most lobbyists in town saying the Congress is not going to be able to pass anything in this Congress. Now, uh, are there members of, of the Congress that would like to hold hearings, like to move legislation? Might something actually pass the committee uh, or even the House floor? Yeah, potentially, sure. Uh, but I think that would be a mistake, and, and I don't really think it, it's going to happen. There, you know, Congress has uh, a lot of things on its plate these days, whether it's the Ukraine or natural gas exports or, you know, how do we get more jobs in this country. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so there, there's a lot of things for them to do. Revisiting a uh, an energy policy that has stimulated investment in rural America, that has reduced the cost of gasoline, that has reduced our imports, that is uh, you know, eliminating carbon, is, is probably not a high on 
So how about extension of the tax credits for advanced biofuels that expired at the end of the last year? Do you, do you expect Congress to get that done sometime in the near future? In, indeed, I do think that there will be an effort to pass uh, an extenders bill. Uh, both bodies now are looking at extenders legislation. I think if they do, it is quite likely that the sale of tax credit uh, will be reinstated. Uh, you know, the, the irony of the production tax incentive that has been in place that you only get if you are producing ethanol and, and has been in place for several years now when we weren't producing cellulose ethanol, the moment you have three or four companies on the cusp of commercial production, so they're finally at the place where they might actually be able to take advantage of a tax incentive, oh, we're sorry, the tax incentive isn't there anymore. So they had gone out and they sought investors uh, on the premise that a federal tax incentive would be there, and now that they're producing the juice, uh, the tax incentive is gone. I, I think, I mean, that's that's not cool. And I think even members of Congress realize that uh, maybe that's something we should revisit. And and uh, I, I am confident that if there is an extenders package, uh, that will be included. Uh, you know, what happens with the biodiesel tax credit is probably in the same boat. They're going to wrestle over what to do with the uh, wind tax incentive and the solar, it's, it's, it's all those renewables tax incentives. Uh, and there are members of Congress that think we ought to do away with all of those renewable things. Uh, ironically, while leaving in place all the petroleum tax incentives that they say they don't get, but they fight awful hard to keep. I think it probably happens later in the congressional session. I don't think it's something that happens in the next month or two. But uh, come September, you know, October, uh, before the elections, I, I think you'll see uh, a tax extenders bill. Well, Secretary Vilsack, who's obviously a strong supporter of biofuels, when he spoke at Commodity Classic and and uh, two ethanol groups like ACE and Growth Energy, has talked about ways that USDA is going to continue to help grow ethanol production in higher blends. And two ways in particular, by promoting exports to Japan, China, and India, and also by finding other programs to help uh, increase infrastructure like blender pumps since since the new farm bill took away the program that had been used for, for that purpose. But what do you think about his ideas and, and how they could help, especially if uh, the RFS does get cut? Well, uh, first of all, you say he's a strong supporter. There has never, ever been a more effective, articulate uh, advocate for value-added agriculture, including ethanol, than Tom Vilsack. He understands it. When he was governor of Iowa and he saw the industry growing, he saw firsthand um, what an ethanol plant meant to a rural community. And so he has been committed uh, to that throughout his entire career, but uh, certainly uh, as Secretary of Agriculture, he's been phenomenal. Um, and because he is so committed, he is going to look for ways uh, to make sure that uh, we continue to encourage investment in infrastructure for higher-level blends. Uh, he did carve out a program uh, over the last several years that helped us get more blender pumps out there, and the the real irony of EPA saying, oh, well, we've got to roll back the RFS because of a lack of infrastructure, and at the same time, a program to encourage that infrastructure, the Congress is rolling back. Maybe these two ought to talk to one another, uh, but you know, I think he's he is indeed committed to making sure that USDA is helping 
uh, address some of that uh, absurdity and, and getting more infrastructure out there. Uh, and, you know, the, the other irony is while this country is trying to figure out ways to limit ethanol use, other countries around the globe are recognizing how important ethanol is, and the export opportunities for ethanol are critical to our continued economic success as an industry, but also critical to growing the biofuels industry around the world. So, you know, we are working uh, with USDA, uh, with uh, the Department of Commerce, uh, with uh, U.S. Grains Council and Growth Energy mm -hmm. to try to put a program together that will take advantage of some of those opportunities. The USDA already had a uh, trade mission established for China. Uh, he's now added ethanol as a component of that. We're sending people over there. For the first time in December, we, we cracked the door a little bit, and we got some ethanol uh, exported to China, and uh, that opened some eyes, and hopefully uh, we'd be able to get uh, a lot more. Uh -huh. India and Japan are obviously other opportunities, but there'll be other places, Mexico. Uh, you know, we still think we'll be able to export more to Europe, even though they're saying no, no, a thousand times no. The marketplace is saying, well, you really still can't compete. And the U.S. ethanol is the lowest cost liquid transportation fuel on the planet. So there are actually people in Europe that are looking to uh, import U.S. produced ethanol as well. Brazil. I mean, we're going to be sending a lot more to Brazil because they're having issues with their sugar crops. So we think that uh, while we only exported, I say only, it was still 700 million gallons in 2013, uh, we're looking to double that in 2014. We think it could be the single largest year ever in terms of uh, ethanol exports. And uh, if EPA wants to tell us, you know, no, we, we can't let you blend any more than ExxonMobil tells us we can, uh, then fine, we'll, we'll find other markets. Americans from all walks of life have recognized that diversifying our energy supply, providing rural economic opportunities through value-added agriculture and opportunities like ethanol is real important. You know, it's not a mis an accident that more, more than 200,000 comments were filed on this rule. This rule affects lots of people, and lots of people want the administration to reverse itself and to restore the integrity of the, the single best energy, environmental, rural economic, consumer-oriented program that we've had in a generation. I am Cindy Zimmerman. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Find out what we can do for you. Go to charlestonorwig.com.